50-50, even Steven. When splitting equity, equal is best, right? Probably not. On today's Startup Therapy podcast, Will and I discuss why cutting things right down the middle is rarely fair to start and only gets further out of balance as time goes on. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com. I'm back for another episode of the Startups Therapy Podcast, joined as always by my partner, Will Schroeder. Today, we're going to talk about how the equity pie gets sliced up. And this is often a point of confusion, mystery, and contention for founders. And while it needs to be fair, and forgive me for this, equitable, uh, fair doesn't necessarily mean an even split, right? There are plenty of ways to split equity that, while fair, aren't simply right down the middle. Well, Let's talk about why uneven splits doesn't necessarily mean that one of the founders is being a jerk. Yeah, and then that's the first thing that's on either founder's minds, right? They're both thinking, oh man, if I suggest anything that isn't an even split, everything outside of the word even means someone's a jerk, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's, you know, there's, there's a time and a place for that kind of discussion when you and I are at the lunch table splitting that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, split it down the middle. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you're a jerk, right? That's exactly but, it. But when we're talking about the fate of our company and everything that we're about to contribute and how we're about to devote our entire lives to this for probably a very long period of time, I don't feel like the uh, back of the envelope 50-50, I guess, does it, is a really adequate conversation for the size of this decision. You know what I mean? I think it works really well in one situation, and that's when the Winklevoss twins are starting a company. I think that's it's it. Actually, it's the one. And there's two of me. No, yes. I, look, man. And so, so here, here's how it plays out, right, Ryan? Let's let's pretend for a second. You and I are starting something from scratch, and uh, we haven't done this before because I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say that this this issue, if you will, is only affects new founders, but it's more common because the new founders haven't been screwed over yet, so they're not really cognizant of of the the cost of this, right? Yeah, sure. And each one of these, unless so, you're starting something like the third one with the same partner or partners, the dynamic's going to be different each time anyway. So the conversation has to be revisited. Yeah. And so all of our conversation has to start with is how, how do we continually decide over time whether or not we actually made a 50-50 contribution, yep. right? So, so let's, let's build on this because this is the heart of where everybody gets this wrong, Right. It starts out with, hey, Ryan, you're going to put your time into it. I'm going to put my time into it. Therefore, we both have a 50-50 contribution. Not true, right? For so many reasons. Like, like From your standpoint, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you when you think of what's probably not going to be even here? Oh, man. I mean, it, it, depends. Like on the, it depends on the situation, right? But of course, what you're doing, you're, the, the calculus that you're performing is, what do I anticipate? Because it's not about time. Right. I mean, right. of course, time and money are related, but it's really about who is going to contribute what at what stage Yes, that should move the business forward. Right. And so it has everything to do with your, your existing skill set, the expectations of how that will be leveraged for the growth of the business, what you've done in the past, how much experience you're bringing. There's so many things that go into this. Um, and so I think you're just what you're really doing at a super high level is you're just looking at that other person across the table and thinking like, what are they bringing and how much do I need that? Um, and, and how much is the success of the business hinged upon their ability to execute against that? For sure. And, and I'd like to break it into, if you will, just a few buckets. The first bucket I would say is 
This is really important to us now. Here's some great examples, Correct. right? Ryan, heaven forbid, you're the attorney, right? And so you're going to oh, bring wow. all the We're value. Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short-lived enterprise. Uh, but, but you're going to bring all the, 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 the formation value, right? You're, you're going to set up yep. our corporate docs. You're going to set up our early contracts. At that moment, the value you're bringing is extraordinary, right? Yes. But, but that burns off, right? We may yep. not have any legal things to deal with next year or the year after. So while that's a ton of value now, it's not a ton of value later. Uh, often you see this thing, this is in, in things like design, you know, I'm, I'm this wonderful designer and so I'm going to do our brand work and everything else like that. But that utility doesn't really extend past the first six months and certainly not to the same, uh, level of value. What all of this is, is really centering on is assigning a disproportionate amount of long-term reward for yep. a short-term contribution, right? Exactly right. The place I goes see wrong every time. often will. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And the place I see this most often uh, is non-technical founders asking me how I can find a technical co-founder. And the, right. the joke that I always throw back at them is like, because, because it's exactly what you're doing. At this point, I don't have any cash. I can't afford to pay a developer, which is really what I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. I need a developer. Right. What I'm asking for instead is a technical co-founder because I right. can't afford to pay a developer, right? Right. So the, the joke I always throw back at them is saying, it's as if you're marrying a carpenter to ensure that you have a dream home, right? right. Maybe maybe the right objective, <laughs> right. but probably the right. wrong methodology because over the long term, you know, if you don't really like hanging out with that, with that contractor, that carpenter, it's not the best way to build that dream home, right? And so I think that that's, Agreed. it's so hard to figure out over, over the, the, the long term. You can only look at it in the short term, right? So what are the contributions right now? Right. And so part of that conversation in order to kind of feel good about it is, hey, look, uh, I understand you're going to be contributing X, Y, and Z this year, and here's the value of that, et cetera. Let's talk about how that contribution may persist next year and the year after. And if yeah. it's just something as simple as the person saying, well, I don't really know how much legal work we'd need in year two, part of the discussion is going to be, well, why don't we assign additional stock based on that additional contribution in year two? And we'll, we'll get into kind of how to, how to change up 50-50 uh, splits in just a little bit here. But, but that's, just, that's just one common thing where you get a disproportionate amount of value. The next is, and in, in almost harder to predict, but almost 100% chance it's going to happen, is Ryan, you and I both are gung-ho about this idea, right? We just came off of a startup weekend, and we're so fired up about it, and we're, we're ready to quit <laughs> our jobs, et cetera. But like two months goes by, right? And I was dumb enough to quit my job because <laughs> I was really excited <laughs> about this thing. Yep. You were smart enough not to quit your job, right? Yes, and now all of a sudden, this is a part-time job for you, and it's a full-time job for me. But lo and behold, we made a 50-50 split two months ago, and now this, this split doesn't represent where we stand whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean, in the, in the short term, you might feel great about that. Well, I, I, in this example, I would feel great about that, right? Like, I've got 50% right. of this thing, and I'm only doing you know 10% of the work. Uh, over time, that will not feel good for a lot of reasons. Um, and and you know, even for the one who's on the... The, I'm going to air quote this right side of the split. Right. Well, think about this too. The tough thing about assigning equity, especially when you do 50-50, et cetera, is it's a boatload of equity, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at that point, you're half saying, um, here's company. half the company and I, I'm expecting an exponential amount of contribution. And if you make anything less than an exponential amount of contribution, which is the only thing you deserve to make at 50% equity in the company, 
we're screwed because that's equity that could have gone to that developer that we're trying not to pay. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> All these things like that. Like that's real money, so to speak, that if we're assigning it disproportionately, that's going to hold us back. So what do you, in the short term, forget about the long term for a minute, in the short term, what do you see as being the most powerful concerns around the 50-50 split? Okay, so in the short term, at first, nothing will will feel like anything's broken. We'll both feel good about it. You know, we kind of just get past it and move forward. But inevitably, over a, a period of time called the first six months, 12 months and beyond, we're going to start to see how the different contributions actually play out, right? It is damn near impossible for both of us to contribute exactly 50% effort. I'm not saying it hasn't been done. I'm just saying when folks are first starting a startup, they forget or just haven't learned yet most cases that the likelihood that the contributions will stay in parity is very low, right? Just because you're both there doesn't mean you're, you're both contributing the same way. And that becomes pretty apparent in year at the end of year one, hell at the end of month six, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the things I've seen this do is drive bad behaviors, right? So. Good, good intentions, but bad behaviors. You all of a sudden, if, if, both of you, and, and typically you will, you know, one of them may be feeling it more than the other. Like, I feel like I'm putting in more effort, right? Which will manifest itself in some way. There's going to be some passive aggressive commentary. Something's going to happen. People are right. going to notice that we're not putting in the same amount of effort. What ends up happening then is you start to use the wrong benchmarks for your efforts, right? All of a sudden, if, if I feel like I'm putting in more effort, maybe the, the, the things that I'm doing aren't having the same impact that the things that you're doing. I'm going to start pointing to things like, well, you know, oh gosh, I was up till three o'clock in the morning last night working on, you know, one more of those things. Like, and it may not have any real value, right? But I start using these other things like just time and saddle as badges of, of, of courage in order to justify my existence in the company. And that doesn't do anybody any good, right? But that is oftentimes driven by this notion that, well, it's a 50-50 split we have to at least put on the appearance that we're both doing an equal amount of work. And I think that can be really, really damaging to the company and certainly to, to both of the founders or three, if it's a three-way split or whatever. You know, I've been through a bunch of these. I've done nine companies and almost all of them had co-founders. And a few things that I learned in, in watching both my own companies over the past 25 years, but also watching lots of other companies. First things first, whoever you think is in the founding team by month six, by month 12, by month 18, probably won't be there, right? Yeah. Now, in and of itself, that sounds like a challenge, but the real challenge is when you have a structure that says, uh, Bob got 50% of the company because he happened to be there on day one, and he's never <laughs> yeah. had to earn it since, yeah. right? Dude, that's a huge problem, right? And yeah, it, it happens all the time. When I look at startups now, and either our own startup companies you know, that we start or uh, working with other folks, I tried to point out, I said, look, you know, I don't want to sound terrible about this, but the folks that are sitting here probably won't be here next year, right? Because it's so hard to figure out who's supposed to be on this team in the formative stages, right? There's sure. a million reasons, you know, some good, some bad. But the truth is you're going to have a tremendous amount of turnover. And, and that's not just with the, the employees. It's, a, it's the founding team, right? It's the co-founders. Yeah. And so you got to kind of plan for that outcome. That's the thing, right? It's it's the you know we've we've talked about this. You you wrote an article about this when when uh, startups shed their skin. The notion that everybody is going to grow at the same pace and develop exactly the skills needed to you know maintain their role within the company 
sounds dumb, right? Well, so does then having an equitable split, right? <laughs> this is the problem, right? The, <laughs> exactly. The, those needs change over time. The, the the personalities change over time. And it's not always the need of the company. It could be the need of the individual. There's a lot of reasons that people leave companies. And it's not always, well, I just you know couldn't contribute anymore. In fact, that's rarely the case. There's a lot of circumstances that lead to people you know, needing to change either entirely their involvement in the company or partially their involvement in the company. And then when you go back and lean on that 50-50 split or even split, that becomes really, really painful for whoever's still active and also on the cap table. Agreed. And so the question everybody's going to have is, yeah, that's cool, but how do we actually make that happen? You know, what are the mechanics of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, you know, I'm stuck yeah. in a 50-50 split now, you know, um, I'm listening to this episode pretty closely because I'm hoping you guys will tell me what the hell to do about it, right? Yep. So, yep. so so, let's talk about that. Let's walk through some of the mechanics of, of how do I either suggest something that's not a 50-50 split, or if I do have a 50-50 split, how do I over time make it more equitable? It's actually not that hard, but not a lot of people are aware of how to do this. So, We'll take a little bit of time here and, and break it down. First thing to understand is that at any given time, the company can issue more stock. The reason I say more stock is because people often think that, Ryan, if you've got 50% and I've got 50%, that if I now get 60% and you have 40, that you have less stock, right? Correct. You can have the same number of shares, but I can have more shares added to the cap table and so that I hold more shares. So my effective uh, share percentage is 60%. And your effective share percent is 40%, but nothing's been taken away from you. Yep. And I, while it's just optics, it matters. Oh, hell yeah, it matters. And I can't emphasize enough how important that structure is. Now, by the way, this happens all the time, and not just because co-founders or what have you are, are changing up the cap table or having these discussions. Yeah. It's going to happen the moment you raise capital. Yep, exactly. The investor is going to come on, you're going to issue more shares to that investor so that their relative percentage is whatever their investment stake is. You're going to have the same amount of shares. It's just going to represent a smaller piece of the pie. That's right. So again, this isn't an unusual approach. This happens all the time. But what, what we want to do is we'd want to basically sit down and say, look, for the next one, two, three years, we probably should set maybe an annual milestone where we suggest what either of us could do to earn more shares agree on what those milestones would be, and then assess at the end of the year. Yep. And Gives so, everybody a chance to remain equitable. Correct. But what you're really doing is you're starting to open up the conversation. One, that what you have now, the 50-50 uh, split of the, of the uh, pie chart, isn't necessarily what you're always going to have, right? Right. A Nor is it simply based on the fact that you showed up. Exactly. It, here's what it, you, you need to take entitlement off the table. You've got to take entitlement off the table, right? My because idea, 75%. It, dude, it, it breeds no positive behaviors, cool. right? At which point I think I, I have nothing to lose no matter how hard I work or how little I work. That is the definition of entitlement in this scenario. And neither of you, you know, if, again, Ryan, this case of you and I, neither of us wants to be in that situation. So suggesting a way to prevent that Benefits us both. Sure. Now, right from the start. Yeah. So, so some of the milestones that I've seen folks use, or, or that you know that I've used myself, um, one could be hours based. That's not always the right metric, but 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 there could be a uh, a reason for that, right? If Other you're running a billable be, hours company, that might be the perfect thing to do. A, a simple one uh, that I like a lot 
is just using a, a few committed uh, milestones that would uh, move the business forward for each individual person. So Ryan, yes. in this case, if you were the technical co-founder and I was uh, business development, we would say, okay, for the over the next year, we're going to uh, give each of us the opportunity to earn 10,000 shares. In order to earn those 10,000 shares, you've got to commit to three milestones that you'll surpass, and I'll commit to three milestones that I'll surpass, right? Yep. It's not super, super complicated, and it shouldn't be super complicated, but it should represent contribution, right? You can make it as simple or as hard as you want. Either way, the, the plan still works because, again, you're starting to recalibrate contribution. And so really what we're talking about here is, is getting to a point where we can have the conversation and we can agree on it, right? Whether you've already agreed to a 50-50 split or you're just entering into that conversation, um, it, it's important that we have the conversation, that we come to some, some level of agreement on this, right? Yeah, and, and I don't think this conversation should be pointed toward, here's why I don't think you, you deserve you know, 50%, etc. It should be pointed to how do yeah. we ensure that each of us can continue to contribute and get rewarded for it. So it should I be I think the focused. contribution over time piece, sorry, I think the contribution over time piece is, is really easy to understand. And I think that that one's a little bit more, you know, it's, it, I think it's easier to agree on if we both do things in the future that we say, that we can agree on, a, on, a, on an appropriate value for those things. I think when, I, when I'm dealing with this myself and when talking to other folks who are going through this, they have more of a challenge with that initial split, right? And I know right. that you don't need to get too caught up in that because it can be changed. But I think that that tends to be where the hangup is. How? What are some tips for people that want to enter into that conversation? So if I'm if I'm getting ready to sit down and have this conversation, how can I be prepared both on my side of the table and how can I be prepared to help my co-founder understand how we're going to come down to that initial split? Well, let's assume for a second one scenario that you kind of feel like your co-founder is getting the better end of the bargain because I, I can't <laughs> sure. imagine if you're the one getting the better end of the bargain, you're thinking like, how do, how do I undo this, right? So so let's assume for the sake of argument that that you're, you're probably going to be on the wrong side of the equation. One of the ways that I've done this in the past is I've simply said, what can I do to, to earn more equity, right? Now in the future, et cetera. If someone says nothing, you've got 50%, there's nothing you can do the conversation starts to get into, well, is that really true? Are you saying that no matter how hard or how little I work, I can't possibly earn more equity? That's, that seems unusual. And you start to talk about how contributions drive the equity equation. Okay. Now, again, it depends you know, who you're talking to and what their concerns are, but I've always led the conversation from the standpoint of both of us want to contribute. Shouldn't we be rewarded for our contributions? Not I want to contribute. Shouldn't I be rewarded for my contributions? Yeah, and well, that, that totally makes sense. But I want to go a step back in time. I want to go back to, we just had this idea and we've started to formalize things. We're now ready to talk about the initial split. Because again, I think that understanding how the contribution works over time is a little bit easier to, to wrap our heads around. I think we can more easily come to agreement on what we would both do in the future. Because the reality is we don't know exactly what the effort that goes into that is, right? And so I think we can right. both come to an arbitrary assignment of value. But when we're thinking about what we've done in the past, I would argue that we will typically put a lot more value because we know every bit of blood, sweat, tears, whatever that we've put in in the past and our previous experience, previous businesses, whatever it was, that we're trying to come up with some valuation of ourselves to come up with this initial split. We'll probably always overvalue our own inputs and undervalue those of others, right? And not always true, but I think that would be the natural tendency. So as people are getting ready to sit down and have this initial conversation, 
And we want to talk about how do we, what, what's our basis for starting? If we're suggesting that it's, it's likely shouldn't be 50-50, what can they do to walk into that conversation to be prepared to justify a difference in the split, either direction? And I, again, like you said, they're probably never going to come in saying like, you know what? I really think you should have 70% of this thing. And I should have 30 <laughs> based on this. But let's talk about like, how does that, how does that conversation begin? How do we start that with one, without being a jerk and two, being prepared to have the conversation in a way that it comes to some resolution that's not just, well, we can't agree that I'm worth more than you and, and or that you're worth more than me. So we just end up back. My concern is people end up back at 50-50 by default. Well, actually, th there's another answer there, and it's, it's easier than people might realize. Let's say this, in this case, we both agree that there's there may be more contribution in the future that neither of us can define right now. But we can't, we can't guess that it's 70% you, 30% me, or, or vice versa. We can still do an even split, but not necessarily assign all the stock. Yes. We can do a 40-40 split, which is still fair. You got 40, I got 40. Leave the other 20% in an option pool. That can be awarded later, right? Yep. And so, Which is funny uh, because it's essentially the same thing, right? It's still an even split. And so we're only changing the optics, but per the point earlier, the optics can be really important on this in terms of how it makes people feel. It's so important. And, and I'll give you just, because a lot of people don't know this, you know, they haven't raised capital, et cetera. <laughs> Investors are pretty hip to this as well. You know, when I've raised money from venture firms before, even at the seed level, do you know that I have to give all my equity back, right? And I have to earn it through a vesting schedule? Yep. Boy, as a founder, the first time you hear that bullshit, right? You're like, wait, what? Yeah, you're like, hang on, what? Yeah, yeah, like, I what? Huh? I have, to, I have to give back my equity. Like, it's mine, right? Like, come on, I, I I'm yeah. literally the founder of the company. How am I giving my equity back? But here's what the VCs say, and and I got to tell you, I went kicking and screaming, but in the end, they're not wrong. What they're saying is, look, it's awesome that you started the company. It's awesome that you've done what you've done. But how do we know you're going to stick around if we yeah. put the cash in today? and you bail in a year, then you never really contributed the value you know, over an extended period of time, per your commitments, to hold up your end of the bargain. So we're going to basically have you vest your equity back over time, which simply means we're going to take it all away, and then once a year, we're going to give a portion of it to you back, just like an employee would. Frankly, it's not terribly unfair, and a lot of, a lot of investors will, will say, okay, it's a, it's a four-part vesting schedule, and you get the first part up front. Right. You know, right. just as, as kind of a, yep. a good faith. You're not starting at zero. Correct. But but what it's saying is, look, man, you've got to continue to contribute. Right. If you think you're entitled to your equity, especially when you're taking other people's money, yes. just because, you know, you started the thing and, and filed an incorporation, put a year into the business. It ain't that simple. Right. You know, it's a great example. And, it, and I think it's a great illustration that also explains why this doesn't work at the at the formation stage. Those investors are not investing in what you've already done, right? They're not paying right. you. They're not giving you money for what you've already accomplished. They're giving you money because they think you can accomplish more, right? And that's where the value comes from, both for you and for them. And I, I think that if you that. just take that same thing and apply it to when you're, when you're founding the company and you're doing that initial split, it's the same thing, right? It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. It matters what you contribute on a go-forward basis. The investors are just framing the same conversation that you and I are going to have as co-founders, Ryan. Yep, right? exactly. Today, we're both here. That's the only reason that, that we're both, you're splitting this 50-50. We still have to make all of those contributions. That's what the implication of 50-50 means. 
that I yes. am 50% because I'm going to contribute over some extended period of time, not just yep. because I was the only other person in the room, right? And I think it's easier to understand in the context of an investor because their contribution is perfectly quantifiable because it's right. in the terms of dollars. Now, the argument around what those dollars are worth versus what the, the, the company's worth is the point of contention. There's no disagreement about what's the value of a dollar, right? Versus right. what's the value of an hour of somebody's time or an hour or 10 years of somebody's experience in the industry, right? Those are a bit harder to pin down. But the fundamentals of the conversation, to your point, are exactly the same. Well, along those lines, I, I, I wouldn't want to overlook this, and I, I rarely see this, although I, I, I love the concept of it, is founder vesting. You know, uh, simply yeah. in the same way, if, if, you, if you and I as co-founders said, hey, look, just, just as a, an absolute safeguard, yep. we're going to agree that we each basically vest our stock over the next three years. It's a, it's a four-year program, and we get the first 25% up front as a sign of good faith. Yep. I got to tell you, I'm guessing, I'm going to guess 50 to 60% of startups wish they had done this. Right now, yes. again, <laughs> the ones that are still there at the startup wish they had done this. The people that left and got all the equity for free, <laughs> not <Yeah>. so much. <laughs> right. But again, it, we could do an entire show just based on this about all the things that happen within the first 18 months of how uh, all the co-founder contribution changes, You know, all the early people that helped out, like service providers and stuff, uh, how all that changes over time. People are making a really big commitment on this 50-50 based on the least amount of information they're ever going to have about their business. That's correct. Yeah. And I, having done this both ways and, and I've never reverted, right? So in, in the past, before I had stumbled across this methodology, whereby we, we always best from the beginning, even as founders, um, I would never, it's just my opinion, my, my own experience. I would never go back to let's invest immediately and just have a split and then have to fight about it all later. Right. I, yeah, right. The, the, once you've done, once you've done vesting, I, I cannot imagine you could make too many cases for reversing that decision. And I got to tell you, I've been on the opposite end of this too, where I was the one that had too much equity, right? You know, I, I had a startup that I did uh, a, a while ago, put a lot of my own money into it, a lot of my own time into it. Uh, we then raised some money. I went on to go do other startups and I was kind of working on it, but not working on it all the time. And I had a disproportionate share of the cap table. I mean, like 70% of the cap table. And there were lots of yeah. other people involved in the, in the deal, including our investors. And at one point, one of the investors steps forward and he goes, dude, this is a broken cap table, right? I'll yep. never forget him telling me this, right? And you're and the crack that, in the cap table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him saying, like, you know, this is a broken cap table. Like, I, like, I don't want to put more money into this thing because you've got all the, the stock and all the other people are actually working here, right? Yeah. And I remember thinking two things at the same time, like literally like two thoughts on either on, on a split screen in my mind. One was go fuck yourself. <laughs> I worked so hard on this. I put was that, on, the, was that on your primary monitor or your secondary monitor? Yeah. <laughs> <In the split laughs> yeah but it, literally at the same time, my other thought was, holy cow, you're right. Like it yeah. didn't even occur to me. Right. Yep. And, uh, and I remember thinking like, yes, of course you wouldn't want to put more money into this. Like, like why would you? That's completely rational. And we ended up, you know, working table, through right? some things, but, but here's what I'm trying to say. Coming from a guy who believes very strongly in everything we're, we're talking about, even I had a hard time, you know, it was like, you can have this out of my cold, dead hands, you know, kind yes. of method. Yeah. And, and I'm saying, and I'm willing to have those conversations. Now try getting that equity from people who have no experience in this, and this is probably the only time they'll have equity, and they feel like the year they put in is all the time in the world, and so on and so yep. forth. You've got to have uh, a moment in time, hopefully a few, 
where you can reassess and kind of change this. If this is 50-50 yep. locked forever, dude, you're screwed. It's yeah, it's it's tough. And and you, you talked about this point earlier, but it really is easier to talk about the value of that future contribution versus the value of the historical. To your point just now, when somebody's put in that year, that's all the time in the world as far as they're concerned, because it's all the time in the world they've put into this company. Right. And so it has all that value. It's really hard to get people to reverse their thinking on what's already happened. And so I think your your best bet is to ensure that you're clear on how we modify this in the future and under what conditions and what that leads to. Yeah. And, and I, so I, I think we've got three things you're trying to accomplish, you know, in, in these conversations with your co-founders, et cetera. The first is simply to establish that while 50-50 is fair, you know, uh, uh, under, under even at the mathematical level, right? <laughs> it's clearly fair. Yep. It's not necessarily the long-term outcome for the business as far as what the split's going to be. Just look at your co-founder, or maybe you have a couple, and say, do you agree with that point? Do you, do you understand that, like maybe over time, that our contributions could change, that the, the, the equity could change? Because if they don't, then, then my other points aren't going to make a lick of difference. Right? <laughs> like, if they're like, <laughs> right. nope, I heard you get 50% up front. That's all you get. The rest of the logic isn't going to matter. The right. second point, assuming they're reasonable and that they, they understand that stock can change, the second point is that we need to be able to set some mechanism in place in order to be able to uh, redistribute equity. And that, again, that can come in the form of adding more options, et cetera, or more uh, shares, et cetera. And, and what that might look like. So one path could be simply doing a, um, a vesting schedule, right? It could be a simple, easy vesting schedule. Say, look, this is a no-brainer. You vest a third of your stock right now immediately, a third at the end of year one, a third at the end of the year two. All you got to be around is two years to get all of your stock, right? That one's just like a, hey, is everybody committed to this thing like I am, right? Yes. It's actually kind of hard to say no to, although no lack of people you know, will say no to it. Um, yep. So again, this, the second thing are, are just mechanisms in place. The third thing is some sort of timetable to review these mechanisms, right? Vesting has built-in mechanisms. Vesting says, hey, man, at the end of uh, year one, you're either here or you're not. If you are, you get more stock. Built-in mechanism. Right. The other one, Ryan, we discussed was being able to have a, a yearly review, could be a quarterly review, right? To say, did I hit the milestones that I said I was going to contribute toward? Could be time. Yeah. Could and be I think that's the important trigger, right? It, 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 because you may not be able to say the milestones may not always line up exactly, right? You may say like, look, here's the milestone we want to hit, but I believe this is going to take 18 months, whereas the, the milestone that, that you're focused on may only take 12. And we both agree that those are the appropriate timeframes for that it's at the point you agree that the milestone should be completed or otherwise that triggers that review and or crossing the milestone. If you happen to cross it at a year and we thought it was going to take 18 months, go ahead and invest the rest of that stock. Here's another benefit. And I think this may catch people by surprise. The best thing about having these milestones is if everybody does what they say they're going to do, not a damn thing changes. That's right. Right? Mm, that's right. If nothing else, if if the rest of this were complete uh, farce, and you're like, you know, I don't, don't actually expect our, our stock to change. I just want to make sure everybody stays, you know, focused and on point and committed. Well, then it accomplishes the same goal. And right. no matter where you are in the cap table, you should feel pretty strongly about that being a, a pretty important goal. Yeah, maintaining your position or or improving your position should be the focus, right? Because those improvements in your position, or at least the maintenance of it, should be linked to the maintenance or growth of the company. 
absolutely all we're talking about here, all we're talking about is eliminating entitlement, the idea that, hey, I just got my stock and I'm just going to have this forever, and just putting all of this on accountability. If you can accomplish those two things, even if you wind up with a 50-50 split in the end, you've succeeded. Not much room left to be a jerk in that conversation, is there? That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.